Good morning. Merry Christmas. Oh, that was pretty weak, really? You have a chance to shout out Merry Christmas, and we just sit there and say, we just got done praying. All right, let's try this again. Merry Christmas. Look at the person next to you and tell them Merry Christmas. Absolutely. What a wonderful time of the year. You know, we've been talking about Christmas and what we want for Christmas over the last four weeks Hope, peace, joy, love, obviously all those things you cannot wrap up and put in a box. You just can't do it. We've been talking about those things that God has given us to His Son, Jesus Christ. But when it comes to those presents found in a box, let's see if we get the kids' attention on this one. Kids, did you get what you want? I don't know. Some of you maybe have opened up your gifts Last night, maybe you opened up this morning, some of you are like, <clears throat> Pastor Rex, as soon as you get done, <clears throat> hint, hint, just anticipation, right? For those of you that did open up those presents, those gifts, maybe those gift bags, maybe those envelopes, I don't know. Did you get what you wanted? And what were those expressions like? For some of you that have done this, what were some of those expressions? When they opened them up, was it, was it happiness and jubilation? Was it excitement? Was it surprising? <gasps> what were the faces like? Did you catch it on film? Did you get it on? I almost said on tape. Ooh, that just dated me. <laughs> How old are you? Or was there no expression? They opened up like, okay. You're like, oh, take note. Don't ever give them that again. Don't ever give them anything again. What were the words that came out of their mouths as they opened up those gifts? Was it like, oh, wow? Or was it, this is just what I wanted? Or was it, you know, maybe something less like, oh, thank you? Or maybe it was, oh, oh that's nice. What came out of their mouths? What came off of their faces, their expression? Did you get what you want? Now, let me change the question now. Church, did you get what you needed? Did you get what you need? That's a big difference between what you want and what you need. Don't ever forget that sometimes the greatest gifts that we want are not what we really need. Maybe the best gift is what we need and not what we want. And we all need forgiveness for our sins. We all need forgiveness for our sins. And the greatest gift ever given from God to us is Jesus Christ, the one who forgives us of our sins, the one who saves us from our sins, the one who gives us hope, the new life. And what we need, church, and what we want are two different things. Church, what we need is Jesus. What this world needs is Jesus. Not a new president, not a new job, not a bunch of money, not something wrapped up and put underneath a tree or something sitting next to us or someone sitting next to us. What we need is Jesus, that child in the manger. And maybe some don't think they need Jesus. I know that. There's, there's people, it's like, I don't need this Jesus stuff. I shared with you, there's a school that I'm working with, and they actually have a club they started up that stands against Christianity. We don't need this Jesus. We are adamantly against Christianity. And they actually have more people coming to that club than they do coming to FCA. And it's sort of disappointing. But that group says, we don't need Jesus. And that is sad. It's truly sad. 
And to some that don't know Jesus, they ask that question, why would we need Jesus? And that's a fair question for them to ask, and they should ask that. And I hope you, at some point in time in your life, you asked that question, why do I need Jesus? Because if you did ask that question, that's what brought you to where you are now. The answer. Maybe you like the song we just sang, What Child Is This? And I asked Dave, I said, that's, that's the one song I want us to sing on Christmas Day. What child is this? What child is this? Because, church, we need to ask that question. What child is this? The nativity scene, the manger, the baby in there, that child, we need to ask, what child is this? Because if we can answer that question, we can celebrate this day like no other day. What child is this? I'm going to give you three scriptures, and you don't need to turn to them. We'll eventually open up our Bibles to the book of Philippians. But right now, Luke chapter 1, verses 30 to 32, the angel Gabriel appeared to Mary. And it said this, don't be afraid, Mary. If you just sort of picture this angel appearing to Mary saying, don't be afraid, for you have found favor with God. You'll conceive and give birth to a son. You'll name him Jesus. He will be very great. He will be called the Son of God, the Most High. And the Lord God will give him the throne of your ancestor David. And he will reign over Israel forever. His kingdom will never end. That's what one angel said, Gabriel said. But then another angel appeared. But this time, the angel appeared to Joseph. So kids, if you can imagine, you get another angel appearing. But this time, it's to Joseph. And Joseph hears this message. He was engaged to Mary. He's a righteous man. He didn't want to disgrace her publicly. So he said, I'll just break off the engagement quietly. That's when the angel appeared. He appeared and said, Joseph, son of David, don't be afraid to take Mary as your wife. For the child within her was conceived by the Holy Spirit. And she will have a son. And you are to name him Jesus. For he will save his people from their sins. All this occurred to fulfill the Lord's message to the prophet. Look, the virgin will conceive a child. She will give birth to a son. We'll call him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. So when you consider this, when you think about this, If anyone knows who this child is going to be, it should be the angels, right? God's heavenly messengers, the ones who get their proclamations from God alone. God goes to his angels and says, hey, I'm giving you firsthand. This isn't passed along down the line like the telephone game that gets changed by the time it gets to the end of the line, right? God says, I'm giving this to you directly. Now you go take it and give this message. And so there goes Gabriel and talks to Mary. Then goes another angel and talks to Joseph. Oh, but they're not done. Because we discover in Luke chapter 2, verses 10 and 11, the angels also appeared to the shepherds. And what did they say to the shepherds? Fear not, for behold, I bring you great news. For all people. For unto you this day a child is born in the city of David, a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. The announcement that Jesus was Christ the Lord and how it was written in the Greek text is written in a masculine and nominative case. And some of you are saying, you're talking English. And I say, I know, I had to write this down so I wouldn't forget it, okay? But the way it's written makes the words equivalent, which is important. Because that means that when you're looking at this and as the angels announced what they were saying, 
means Christ who is the Lord. It isn't just Christ the Lord like a proclamation, like a, here's a title. No, it's Christ who is the Lord. Gabriel appeared to Mary, announced that the child to be born was God's son. Angel appeared to Joseph and said that this is the Jehovah who saves. And the angels appeared to the shepherds at Christ's birth, calling him the Lord. Three angels, three proclamations, three witnesses, each of them agree that Jesus is the Son of God. What child is this? What child is this? This. This is Christ the Lord. What Gabriel proclaims to Mary, we see affirmed in the New Testament, matter of fact, by somebody you know as Peter. Remember Peter? Sort of the crazy disciple that always said things and did things off the cuff, right? Matthew 16, 16, 18, Jesus asked his disciples, who do you say I am? I mean, if Jesus were to come in here right now and appear before us, and he was to ask each and every one of you this question, who do you say I am? What's your answer? Oh, Peter didn't hesitate. He said, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. Jesus replied, you are blessed. You're blessed. Simon, son of John, because my father in heaven revealed that one to you. So it's like God illuminated Peter, giving him an understanding that nobody else had. The rest of the disciples, James, John, maybe, maybe Judas, maybe Thomas, maybe they sat there and say, well, let me think. They all, they all waited. Peter's like, I know who you are. You're the Messiah, son of the living God. We read in 1 John 4, 15 to 16, says this. God's given us his spirit, proof that we live in him and he in us. Furthermore... We've seen it with our own eyes. We now testify that the Father sent His Son to be the Savior of the world. Now John is saying this. All who declare that Jesus is the Son of God have God living in them, and they live in God. We know how much God loves us, and we put our trust in His love. Church, are you hearing this? See, the angels declared it. The disciples proclaimed it. And most importantly, most importantly over all these, okay, this, this is like the trump card. For those of you that play uh, maybe Rook, okay, or maybe you play another game, whether it's Euchre, you've got that trump card, you've got that card that just says, this beats everything. Okay, well, the angels proclaimed it, and so did the disciples, right? Here comes the trump card, listen to this. In Matthew three seventeen, after the baptism of Jesus, Jesus came out of the water. The heavens were opened up, and it says, they saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove onto Jesus. And a voice from heaven said this. Here's the trump card. A voice from heaven says, This is my dearly loved Son who brings me great joy. Oh, it's not just the angels. Not just the disciples. It's God himself who said, This, this is my Son. This child is my son. What child is this? It's Christ the Lord. Open up your Bibles with me, please. Turn to the book of Philippians. If you need a Bible, raise your hand. We'll bring you one. Philippians is in the New Testament. Get past the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Get past Acts and Romans, 1st and 2nd Corinthians. And you get all those little books. Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians. You're there. Philippians chapter 2. 
I'm going to read to you from a different translation this morning from this passage, this particular passage. Philippians chapter 2, starting verse 7. Again, talking about Jesus Christ, this child, it says this, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped. But he emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, being found in human form. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name. So that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Doesn't sound like the Christmas story, right? But this is part of it. See, the birth of Jesus Christ is one of the greatest miracles that ever occurred. We talk about miracles in the Bible. Church, this is the greatest miracle that ever occurred. For it was in this moment when God Almighty set aside His glory and appeared on earth as a man. How wonderful, how marvelous to think that God would temporarily shed His divine nature and appearance And take on the flesh of man. That God would do that. Yet that's precisely what happened with Jesus being born in Bethlehem. That's exactly what happened. Paul begins by describing the pre-existence of Jesus before he came to earth by saying this. Who being in the form of God? Who being in the form of God? This translation is basically depicting something that's always existed. It's always been there. Using this key word... Basically, Paul saying he eternally existed. He was always there from the very beginning. Jesus' human birth in Bethlehem was not the beginning of Jesus' church. It was merely his manifestation. It was his displaying of himself to man. It was his brief appearance as mankind. He was always here in existence prior. He's eternal. Paul writes that Jesus existed in the form of God. He was not just a component of God. He wasn't just a symbol of God. He was God. And as the eternal God himself, Jesus possessed the very shape and outward appearance of God. A form that includes great splendor and glory and power and a presence that no flesh can hold it. You can't take God and put it in a body. You can't can't take God and put it in the shape of mankind. It's too glorious. It's too full of splendor. It's too majestic. God existed in glory more wonderful than the human mind can even comprehend. More powerful than human flesh can endure. Yet he desired to come to earth to purchase our redemption for man. So God had no choice but to reclothe himself, so to say. In a manner that could be tolerated by man. That's why it says here, he emptied himself, if you read that, and he took on the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of man. That's the true story of Christmas right there. He emptied himself. That word basically means to to vacate, to evacuate, to deprive or to abandon. So because it's impossible for God to appear in man as God, he had to 
change his outward form. The only way he could do that was to and willingly do this and willfully do this and deliberately do this and temporarily set aside his godhood and empty himself. All the characteristics of God, he had to empty himself to bring on this human form. So when you read this phrase, taking the form, it perfectly describes that incredible moment when God reached out to lay hold of human flesh, which he created. He empties himself of Godhood and takes on human form and puts it upon himself. He reclothes himself and places himself into a manger. It's an amazing thing what God did in that moment. And just as his preexistence had that outward appearance of God, now to that form of man as it changed, his appearing and living on earth is exactly now the same way as other man. For a brief time, his eternal existence is over here as Jesus empties himself of his divinity and literally becomes man. So think about this, church. When God the Father sent his Son into the world, Jesus left his heavenly home reclothed himself, took upon human flesh. And because of that great exchange, God for man, because of that great exchange, he stood in our place. He stood right in our place. He felt what we felt. He saw what we see. The sickness, the infirmities, the pain, the anger. For those of you who have dealt with sickness, he saw sickness. For those of you who dealt with temptation, he saw temptation. All that we've ever felt and seen, Jesus can sit there and say, been there, done that. Because I left the heavenly realms, I reclothed myself, I took off the Godhead, put on this human form to come to earth, to be like you in a sense, to see this, to become our high priest. And so at this time of the year, we're prone to think of Jesus as this little baby in a manger in a Bethlehem stable, right? And certainly that's true, but we should never forget that Bethlehem was not the beginning for Jesus. It was merely a brief appearance as he took a break from his eternal existence to come here. And out of his deep love for you and me, he was willing to leave his majestic realms of glory to enter this humanity. He shed all those visible attributes too much for the flesh of man to endure. He couldn't, couldn't do that. He dressed himself in the clothing of a human being. He appeared in the flesh. That is Christmas. God in the flesh. Jesus Christ. His purpose in coming to earth was not just to give this picture of a sweet baby. You know that song, Swing Low, Sweet Baby Jesus, or something like that, right? I'm probably totally messing that song up, but you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> Don't even go there, Dave. I just, I, I know. Oh, Sweet Chariot, that's what it is. Swing Low, Sweet Chariot, and then Little Baby Jesus. Those two different songs. Same song, right? <laughs> oh, yeah, okay. I knew I shouldn't have gone there with that. I should have crossed that out of my notes right away. Don't go there with this one. That Sweet Baby Jesus was born to die for you and me. When you look, is my face super red right now? It's feeling really red right now. It's like, dude, Rudolph, his nose has nothing to go with your face right now, okay? This, <laughs> I can't even say it again, sweet baby Jesus. 
Now I feel like I'm like Will Ferrell in a bad movie. <laughs> Jesus came here in the flesh. This, I can't even do the baby. <laughs> oh, I'm turning the page. The story doesn't stop here. Jesus, our King. Think about this. He's exchanged the royal robes of glory. The royal robes of glory for the clothing of flesh. Turn with me back, please. <laughs> to Ephesians, I'm sorry, Philippians chapter 2. And where it says into verse 7 and 8. Where it says he gave up those divine privileges and he took on that humble position of a slave. When you read this, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to what? The point of death. Even death on the cross. The word humble means to... Think about this. You are putting yourself in the lowest position. When you humble yourself, you put yourself in the lowest position possible. You're willing to stop whatever you're doing and say, you know what? This, whatever I'm doing, I'm going to lower myself to even a position lower. I will stoop to even a lower position and say, this is what I'm going to do. And that describes what God did when he took upon human flesh in the kingdom and in heaven, he's sitting there saying, I'm reigning right now in heaven, but I'm going to stop and lower myself, not only to humanity, but what? The point of death. When you think about this, the greatness of God's love that drove him to strip himself of his splendor, become like a man, but that wasn't just it, because then he had to move on to something even more difficult. He knew what was coming. Being God, he still knew what was ahead of him, the cross. He had to humble himself to the point of being obedient to his heavenly father to say, you know what, I'm choosing to obey what my God's told me to do, what I know I must do, and die on a cross. He knew he was the lamb slain before the foundation of the world. And that didn't mean his flesh was excited about dying as the lamb of God on the cross. So according to this verse in Philippians 2.8, Jesus had to humble himself and become obedient in order to follow God's plan. Do you think Jesus was looking forward to this? Do you think he's like, I can't wait to be born so that I could be stripped and put on a cross and nailed, laughed at, and beaten? Do I really look forward to this? But that's obedience. Just think of it, Almighty God, clothed in radiant glory from eternity past, come to this earth, formed in a human being, the womb of another human, mother for one purpose, so that he could die a miserable death on the cross to purchase our salvation. That is Christmas. All this required on the level of humanity that we'll never understand. Church, Christmas just isn't time to reflect on this baby Jesus that was born in Bethlehem. It's, It's more than that. That child, that baby was God in the flesh. He was born to die for you and me. Jesus so willing to do whatever was required in order to redeem us from Satan and sin that he humbled himself to the point of death on the cross. His obedience was incredible. His humbling was incredible. His love can't even describe What child is this? What child is this? This. This is Christ the Lord. This is Christ the Lord. 
What child is this? So how do we respond? I just took about, I don't know, 10, 15 minutes just talking about the child. That the angels proclaimed, the disciples spoke of, and God himself said, this is my son. What child is this? This is, this is God in the flesh who left his eternal existence, reclothed himself, took off the divinity, took off the attributes of God, put on the human flesh. This is God who became a little baby so that he could grow up in obedience and die on a cross for you and me. This is Jesus. How do we respond to that? Well, we're all pretty good at celebrating, right? We sing Christmas carols. We decorate our houses. We gather as a family. Maybe we do some really significant things. We serve in a homeless shelter. We, we give to other people. We, we, we love others in a way they've never been loved before. Maybe we enjoy watching football. We play games. We eat. We exchange gifts. And of course, there's so much more. Right? We celebrate Christmas so good, don't we? And then on Sunday morning, we come here and we celebrate too. But the best way to celebrate Christmas, let me tell you, everybody listen carefully. I want you to know how the best way to celebrate Christmas. The best way to celebrate Christmas is by giving your life to Jesus Christ, to this child. That's the best way to celebrate Christmas. The best way to celebrate Christmas is acknowledging, admitting that we're sinners. We all mess up. We all make mistakes. We do things that we're embarrassed of. We say, I can't believe I did that. We say things in front of people we shouldn't say. We do things we shouldn't do. And we're so embarrassed, like, I can't believe I just did that. And God says, that's why I sent my son, Jesus Christ. That's why I came in the flesh to die. Because I know you were going to mess up. All you need to do is admit it. And then admit you need a Savior. And admit that I am the Savior for you. God became man to come to earth, to live and die for you and me. The best way to celebrate Christmas is to believe that. To accept that. To let Jesus change your life for eternity. That's what we need. It's not what we want maybe at times, but that's what we need. The best Christmas gift what we need is Jesus. There's an old hymn that says this, Good Christian men rejoice with heart and soul and voice. Now you need not fear the grave. Peace, peace, Jesus Christ was born to save. Calls you one and calls you all to gain his everlasting call. Christ was born to save. Christ was born to save. Some of you remember singing that. Some of you probably have sung that. Christ was born to save. I'm going to ask the children if they would please do me a favor and join me. So, kids, if you would, come over here and sort of watch out where you're going. But I'm going to ask the children if you'd do me a favor. And I'm going to ask the kids to come up here and sit on the floor. If you just sit on the floor, please, and face me. And some of you can sit on the steps if you need. 
still chair. Boys, if you can just turn this way and girls turn this way. So there's something that my parents have always done with me. We'll be very careful not to touch the guitar. Thank you. Matter of fact, why don't we all just sort of scoot that way a little bit? Doing good. There you go. Safety and numbers. There we go. That's good. I want to read the Christmas story to you, and then I want to challenge you with something, okay? And then we're going to sing a song, and then you're going to go home and celebrate Christmas more, maybe. Okay? In the Bible, in Luke chapter 2, this is the story. Let me read it to you. At that time, a Roman emperor, Augustus, decreed a census throughout the whole Roman Empire that everybody should return back to where they were born for this big census. Joseph, he had to go to Bethlehem, which was where he was from. So he traveled there from the village of Nazareth in Galilee. And he took with him who? Anybody know who Joseph took with him? Who did you take? Mary, yeah, to whom he was engaged. And she was expecting a child. So while they were there, it was time for the baby to be born. She gave birth to her firstborn son. And she wrapped him snugly in strips of cloth and laid him in what? What did, what did they lay him in? In a manger. Very good. Because there's no lodging for them. So that night, there were shepherds staying in the fields nearby, guarding their flocks of what? What were, what were the shepherds watching? What were they watching? Sheep, yeah. So they're out in their fields watching their sheep, and then suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared to them, the radiance of the Lord's glory, and surrounded them, and they were scared. But the angel reassured them, don't be afraid, he said, I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people. The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord, was born in Bethlehem today, city of David. And all you will recognize him by this sign. You will find them wrapped snugly in strips of cloth lined in a manger. Suddenly an angel was joined by a vast host of others, the armies of heaven, praising God, saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven, peace on earth to whom his favor is rest. And when the angels returned to heaven, the shepherds said to each other, Let's go to Bethlehem. Let's see what's happened, which this Lord has told us about. So boys and girls, it said, they hurried, they ran, and they found who? Who did the shepherds find? They did find Jesus. And who else did they find? They found Jesus and two other people. Who did they find? Mary and Joseph, yes. After seeing them, the shepherds told everyone what happened, what the angel said to them about this child. All who heard the shepherds' story were astonished. But Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart and thought about them. The shepherds went back to their flocks, glorifying, praising God for all they heard and seen. It was just as the angel said. Boys and girls, that's the story that my dad would read to me every Christmas. Every Christmas. And that's the story we read in our house every Christmas about how Jesus was born. And I hope you guys have had a good Christmas so far. I hope you've been celebrating in all kinds of different ways, whether it's food, presents, whatever it may be. But I want to make sure that you hear the story. Maybe you've heard this story. Maybe you've already read it once or twice. Maybe last night, maybe this morning already. But I want you to do just what the shepherds did. Now listen very carefully because here's what the shepherds did. The shepherds saw 
the baby Jesus. They heard the angels singing and sharing all this great news. And they thought about this. Boys and girls, think about this. The king of kings. Oh, the king of kings. The most important being in the universe, of all universes, has come to this planet. And they got to go visit this little baby Jesus. That's who it was. And when they found Jesus, Luke says, after seeing him, the shepherds told everyone what happened, what the angels said. Here's what the shepherds did. After they saw Jesus, after they heard the great news, they went and they told everybody. That's what I want you to do. I want you to be like the shepherds. I want you to go tell everybody about Jesus because that's the greatest gift we could ever get. Mary said, she pondered in her heart. She really thought about this. And then it says the shepherds went back after telling everybody, praising and giving God all the glory. See, when you give the glory to somebody, you give the glory to God. When you worship God, when we sing, we're worshiping, we're telling them how much he's worth. He is worth so much. When you have something of great value, you get excited, don't you? When you see something of great value and you express yourself like, wow, this is awesome. Here, I want to show you. This is what my grandpa Stump would give me every Christmas, okay? He would give me this every Christmas. He gave me a dollar. That's what my grandpa gave me, Grandpa Stump. And I'd get so excited. Would you guys be excited if somebody gave you a dollar for Christmas? Yeah? Okay. Well, then my grandpa Geyer, he would give me this. What's this? Ten dollars. Would you be excited if somebody gave you ten dollars at Christmas? Yeah, the eyes got a little bit bigger on that one. Okay. Well, what if somebody gave you this? I know, right? I've never seen one. I was like, yeah, $100. I was like, they have those? Cool. Yeah. What would you think about if somebody gave you that for Christmas? Oh, yeah. You know what? I was thinking about this. This is worth a lot, isn't it? You got a lot more excited about the greater value. You were like, whoa, that's worth a lot. You know what? God is worth infinitely more than this. So when we sing, we're going to sing a song here. When we sing this song, worship team, why don't you guys come on up? When we sing, we're telling God how awesome he is, how more worthy he is. That's why when the shepherds went back, boys and girls, look at this. They didn't go back like this. Like, oh, this is Jesus. They were like, dude, this is Jesus, okay? This is exciting. They were so excited because what they had just seen was very valuable for them. Boys and girls, can I have your eyes right here? Thank you for being up here and hearing the Christmas story. Now I want to encourage you. You go share that story with somebody else, how God loves you so much that he sent Jesus here just for us to save us. And when church is all done, we get done singing the song, I want you to come back up here, okay? Because up here and near, we got a bunch of um, little goodies for you, little treats. Nothing like what I have in my hand, okay? A lot smaller, okay? okay? But I want you to come back up here, and we're going to give you a little Christmas blessing. Does that sound good? Okay, why don't you go ahead and head back to your seats. Church, would you please stand? And as you're standing, I want to just say this. As a church, we're very blessed to be able to get together on Christmas. Some people can't. Some people are at home or they're in a place health-wise where they just can't get out. You've gone through a lot this year, many of you in this church. We get to the end of the year and we're like, oh, we made it. But we get to this day and we say, you know what? 
God gave us this day, this moment to worship Him. The King of kings, Lord of lords, became flesh because He loved you so much. He is so incredible. He is so valuable. So when we sing, it isn't just singing. It's worship. And worship is saying, God, you are worth so much. So when you sing, you're expressing how much you think God is worth. Invaluable. Our God can't even, can't even put a number on him. So as we sing this last song, just think how God left heaven, reclothed himself with humanity just to save you. What we all need is him, right? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you, God. Thank you so much for reminding us today through the proclamations of your angels, through the apostles, you yourself proclaiming that Jesus Christ is your son, Christ the Lord. Thank you, God, that you left heaven. You reclothed yourself with humanity. You humbled yourself to the point of death on the cross just to save us. That's how much you love us. God, we're sinners. We mess up. We admit that. We admit that we need you. We ask you, Lord, to save us. We accept that gift because that's the greatest gift we need. And that is your son to save us. We want to place our faith in you. We want to live it out now. We want to share it just like the shepherds. They ran and told everybody the good news. We've got great news. You are full of glory, full of power. Your love is overwhelming. So much to be thankful for. So much to celebrate. Thank you, God, for all you've given us today. Thank you that we can come and adore you, this child, Christ the Lord. In my precious name we pray. Amen. Church, Merry Christmas. God bless you. Go be the church. And kids, before you go be the church and tell everybody, I need the kids to come up here, including junior and senior hires, to come on up here. God bless you. You're dismissed.